0: Financial Residency is proud to bring you Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy. Each week, Tammy Kraus explores a new topic related to achieving financial independence by building and protecting your wealth. She invites guests who are experts
1: in their fields who will share honest and valuable advice on a variety of topics. If you have an idea for a podcast, please email Tammy, that's T-A-M-M-Y, at financialresidency.com. Now grab your front row seat to this week's Grand Rounds. Hi, and welcome back to Grand Rounds. One of the most common topics that comes up here at Financial Residency is real estate investing. So this year, I plan to have multiple experts who work in different areas of real estate investing on the podcast to try and give us various insights and opinions on the market and different types of investing vehicles. I'm hoping these people are also going to be willing to talk to us about common pitfalls to avoid. Today, I would like to welcome Brett Riggins, and he is the founder of Physician Wealth Systems and Connect Home Buyers, and he's also the podcast host of Real Estate Mogul MD. Welcome to the show, Brett.
0: Hey, hey. Well, thank you very much. I'm excited to be here, Tammy. I'm ready to talk about real estate and what it takes to get there. So there's so much more that I'm sure we're going to talk about even beyond real estate today.
1: Before the show, we were talking and you've actually kind of set up, I'd say, an informal program called Real Estate Residency. And it kind of gives people the ins and outs of real estate, how to get started. And I'm looking forward to all of your insight today. Can you first maybe tell us how you got started in the real estate market?
0: So my background is actually construction management, architectural engineering. And through that journey, I've done everything. A majority of my experience is in residential, but I've done everything from under the concrete, the plumbing, the framing, electrical work, shingle side, all of this stuff, because I wanted hands-on on everything. One of the things that I heard early on in my engineering career was, engineers know everything. They draw something on paper and they just think that's the way that it works. I did not want to be that person. Luckily, my journey led me then into the idea of house flipping and we acquired our first house in 07. Wow, what a journey. It wasn't necessarily lost money. We call it tuition where we learned these things. But everybody knows what happened in 08. And through that time, it was a challenge we managed to maintain that property. And from there, I learned what not to do as a property manager in single family rentals. Had that for a couple of years. And finally, we did fix it up and we sold it. So that was the first experience into real estate. But since then, wow, we have grown dramatically. Tim, we talked a little bit about this as like who we needed to become to have the goals or have the things that we wanted. And through that journey, that took us investing in ourselves surrounding ourselves with the right people and in 07 we started our investment company called Connect Home Buyers and that is nationwide real estate acquisition company we did wholesaling we did purchase and sell we flipped houses at one time we were doing six flips at a time and we've done this from the country line between Canada and United States all the way up in Washington to the ocean in New Jersey we did a acquisition sale there so We've gone the rounds. We've learned a lot of what not to do. And along the way, these experiences allowed or built bubbles of capital for us. We knew we had to inject this bubble of capital into more passive platforms instead of like the kill and eat, the fix and flip wholesale kind of things. So that's what led us into this long-term world. And now we have single family, short-term, single family, long-term. We have mixed use commercials just absolutely love building businesses and holding real estate.
1: Now, I know you work with a lot of physicians specifically. What are some of the most common questions that they come to when they're just trying to break into this market to maybe start a passive income stream?
0: How much money do I need? That's a big one right out of the gate. You know, it just comes down to everybody's going to have their own journey. Everybody has their own experience and whether that you know, leads you to a lot of student debt. Maybe you've had some of your student debt paid off. So just starting, that's really going to be a really good question to address. What do I need? How much do I need to have? I think what answers that question is, what are you looking for? And where are you at when you're looking for it? So where are you at in your career, your education career, your medical career, when you start asking those questions? And I always tell everybody, Tammy, I started with nothing. The listeners can't see me now, but I always point to this little guitar on my wall. It's like, I was playing music for a living. That's all I was doing. I was sleeping on somebody else's couch. It was just a different life. I wasn't married, didn't have any kids. So I started with nothing. The first loan I even received, I had nothing. So it's possible to not have any money. So I love to wipe that one right off the table. Even when you have debt, it's possible. We can leverage private money lenders. We can leverage hard money. So there's lots of ways to get around the money thing. The time is another big piece. How do I do this if I don't have any time? Well, typically when you don't have time, then you've got this other piece that you need, which is money because you're trading time for money. Therefore, you have money, but no time. Then you have a different avenue that you can take and derive the best investment solution for you. Those are the big things that lead into then the question of, hey, should I do residential? Should I invest in apartment buildings? Should I do storage? Ultimately, what I love having the conversation of is understanding your why first. If you know where you want to go, then you keep driving down, you keep asking yourself why. Everybody always says, I would like passive income, right? Okay, great. What are you going to do with passive income? Well, I want more money. What are you going to do with the money? Or I want more time. What are you going to do with the time? So if you really drive down to understand your why, it helps you understand where you're going. From there, then you can work yourself back to a starting point.
1: I think one of the most common problems is it always sounds like fun to have that beach rental. I can go use it when I want to, and then I can rent it when I'm not there. I've heard so many nightmare stories about, you know, they rent it out, their cleaner quits on them, so they can't get it clean for the next person. Or the people that rented it trashed the property. So now they're stuck with trying to clean up a property to get it ready for rental again, how can you take that burden off of them so they can have the property without all of the headaches that go along with it?
0: I could only give advice in that scenario. I would not be able to take that burden from them. But the advice would be, when you do acquire, make sure the house is the last thing. And when I say that, I mean, you've got so many things to set up or have thought about before you actually acquire the house. And I hear those scenarios a lot where you really think, okay, yeah, it would be nice, but why do you really want that place? Do you want it because you can say that you have one? Because when I hear that scenario, it sounds like the investment objective is not met with in regards to return. So I'm looking for a specific return on my money and it's not being met in that particular scenario. Plus, I have more stress that's added into it. So, you know, I always say, "Hey, why do you really want to own one? Do you just want to say you want to own one there?" Because, hey, I will happily pay two, three, five thousand dollars and go there for a week, and that's it. That's all the stress that I have to do. I don't have to maintain it. I don't have to do the taxes. I don't have to worry about who's taking care of what. So the stress level is much lower. Now, if it's a situation where I've done my homework and I have a great property manager, good luck finding a good property manager then it's a little different. So I've got the property manager. There's resources on site. I know my investment objectives. I can hit all of this. I have the right people in my circle showing me things like even Turno, which is different apps that you can use to have cleaners come in. There are ways where you can make that work and you can make it work where you're buying multiple properties. It's not likely you're going to be able to buy one property and have all of that stuff work out.
1: What are some other things that you try to teach people in that real estate residency educational component to your company?
0: The investment objectives is really important. Understanding how your money should be performing is, I think, a great place to start. So apart from that why question, why are you doing this? Where do you want to end up? Bring that back. You really need to understand how your money should be performing. It's kind of overwhelming when you think about it. At first, you say, okay, I want to buy a house and I want it to be passive income. Well, what does that mean? What kind of money should I be putting out? And what kind of money should I be bringing back in? So the investment objectives are really a great place to start to really understand if my money is not performing in XYZ, then I should just put it back in the market or do whatever, you know, give it to a money manager or do whatever that I need to be doing so it does perform. So clarity on the performance of your money, your return on investment is really important.
1: And then you had mentioned kind of, I guess the philosophy would be the right word. And you call it the Burr method. Can you talk yeah. about that a little burr, bit?
0: Burr. That's what everybody's saying right now right. in the US, right? Burr. So it's buy, renovate, rent, refinance, and repeat. You know, I'll have conversations and where I started too is I didn't have the money, right? I love being all in around the 130, definitely under 150 mark when it comes to our rentals. That's acquisition, renovation, everything. So where do I even start, Tammy, with this? Because I shouldn't have 150 just sitting around, right? Well, even when we didn't have that at all, we would leverage private money to implement the Burr strategy. And when I say private money, what we do is flip the script. Instead of working with banks and conventional loans, every one of us has money around us. We have friends, colleagues, people that just want to get those double-digit returns and maybe just don't have the time or the interest to go and find them when I say flip the script, we make them the bank. So now in a BRRRR strategy, I can leverage private capital by using a mortgage or deed of trust, a promissory note, have that lender listed as the additional payee on the insurance. And then we use a title company to make sure it's a warranty transfer deed and they hold the lien position on the property. I'm not an attorney. I can't give legal advice. That's just what we did to make this happen. That gets the first letter, the B. Even when you don't have any money, we get the buy. So from there, we renovate. So if we acquire a property for 100000 we could put 20000 30000 in renovation. And then we get it rented up. So we find the renter to come in and a good percentage to look at. It's called the 1% rule. Uh, have you heard of the 1% rule, Tammy? Yeah. So that's really simple to look at. If you look at your gross monthly rent, Divided by your all in or your ARV after repair value, we want that to be 1% at least. So if we're in it for 150, then we want to make sure we're getting 1500 gross monthly rent on that thing. What happens on this is very interesting in the birth strategy. We bought it, we renovated it, now we're renting it. When we go to refinance it, we forced equity, we forced appreciation in this property. So say we've got 120 or 130,000 into this thing, this place should appraised for 150, 160, 175, oof. out of mid air, we've created money. And when we refinance it, that money is now shown as equity in the property and it reduces the amount of cash that we have to leave in the property for our down payment. So absolutely love that piece of what we're doing. And in these wonderful scenarios where we would just bought one, I think for like 75, we put maybe $8,000. So we'd be in this for $83,000. I love this one because this property should run out between $1,100 and $1,200 a month. But the property would appraise for much higher than that. And we were able to actually pull out more than what we had in the deal. The cool part about that is now that is shown as debt on the books. So say we had 83 and then we could borrow $90,000 on a 75% loan to value scenario. That means that now we had 83, borrowing, when I say 95, all these make-believe numbers, or 90, $90, $90,000. That means we have $7,000 tax-free because it's a loan, it's debt in the books. That's another beautiful piece of the Burr strategy. Ultimately, the last letter is R, repeat, go back and do this again. So if you're doing it to where it's infinite return and I'm not leaving any money in these deals, I could... Leverage private capital all the time, keep doing this, and keep turning money in these deals.
1: And I have to ask, what market are you finding places for seventy five to $100,000?
0: So there's places all over the United States that you can do this in. The real draw is going to be at what scale are you doing it? You know, if you're looking at doing 10 to 20 houses, I'm going to make sure that you're doing maybe on a little Bigger scale. So then we're what I call the outside in approach, the way I was taught. In these markets, we're going to start from the outside. I'm holding my hands up in the air around the United States. I'm going to start queuing in like a bullseye. I'm going to start making these circles in. The first thing I'm looking at are states that are landlord friendly versus tenant friendly. A lot of the times it's going to align with red and blue. And that really then dives down into the municipalities inside of those states. But inside of those red states, they're likely to be landlord friendly states. And from there, we're going to look at, for us, on a scalable solution, we're looking at MSA, the population of the area. We're looking at affordability of homes. Just like you said, where do you find houses like that? Also, the income, what's driving the employment in those areas to make sure that houses are affordable, but people are also making money in order to do that. You can look at that in a bunch of different areas. You know, a lot of places are going to be Midwest I'm sure in Kansas City, there are a few neighborhoods that you could probably pop them off around in that price. And you also have to look at neighborhood class, you know, what we call neighborhood class. So we'll rate them like get in elementary school grades, A to F, we'll rate them that way. So something to watch out to, more risk, more return. Those lower class neighborhoods, you're going to have more risk, but you're going to have more return. And doing this, you want to lean more on your property management team, your boots on the ground to really... Feel what those neighborhoods are like. We focus primarily on the Memphis market currently. Everything we do is under that 150. Some of our short term will creep up around that 200, 220 all in on our short terms, but those things will praise for, you know, 280, 300.
1: And then one thing you had mentioned was stackable return for residential real estate. Can you tell us what that means?
0: Do you see the smile on my face when you said yes. that? Yes. I absolutely love it. This is one of those things, one of the first masterminds that my wife and I invested in ourselves and was like one of a $50,000 mastermind. And at the time, I really didn't have $50,000, right? And it was just like this mind-blowing thing. But that was definitely an inflection point in my life when it comes to growth. Inside of this mastermind, this is where I had first learned, I guess, the arbitrage of buying a rental getting a loan and the rent, taking care of servicing the debt, paying me money. And I learned of this thing called stackable returns. This is awesome. Everybody knows about cash flow. Cash flow is one of those things in the stackable returns. And it's that arbitrage. It's all the expenses taken out of the income, right? And that actual cash coming back is cash flow. Inside of our acquisition equations, I've got reserves that I'll actually pull out of there too. Maintenance, Some people will include capital expenditures if they're not making the repairs out front, vacancy. So we take those out. And ultimately, that cash left is cash flow. So that's a great thing. A lot of people know about cash flow. But when we leverage debt, this is good debt too. This is income producing debt. This is not debt for your TV. This is not debt for your car or for your home. This is good debt. And when we leverage this debt, we are making this income. Well, even though that loan payment is going out, Tammy, that principal is getting paid down every single month. That principal is equity that you have in that property. That equity that you have in your property is directed to net worth on your financial statement. That's another return. That's real money. That's cash flow and principal pay down. Interesting piece of principal pay down is if anybody has ever looked at this weird graph of interest and in principal when you're paying down a loan when you first start paying that loan if everybody has a house loan is understood you telling me i'm making a $1000 payment and $800 is going to interest what <laughs> what i want to be a banker we yeah. all should be bankers we should all get there this is it that's year 1 year 2 you're paying more principal less interest year 3 it just keeps running and running and if you looked at this graph for the listeners my fingers are doing this like reverse parabola on both sides there's an inflection point for both where automatic I'm paying such less interest and such more and more principal the cool thing on return on investment just think about that in the stackable return scenario what is your return on investment doing as this investment ages it's increasing so that principal paydown increases drastically over time so we've got cash flow we've got principal paydown this other thing that I love is called depreciation depreciation is beautiful Another little disclosure here. I'm definitely not a CPA. I'm not a tax attorney. This is how we've implemented these strategies. Depreciation is beautiful. Depreciation basically allows you to write off the value of the property as it decreases in value over time. I think it's 27 and a half years of use for single family. We call that straight line depreciation. That's another return because I get to write off this depreciation value from the actual income, I'm adjusting my gross income based off of this depreciation value. That's nice. That's also a return. The cool thing that I can do as a real estate professional, REP, right? I've got that classification. If I needed to, I can use that passive income to offset my active income. One of my companies I have a W-2 from. If I needed to offset that, I could use that depreciation to offset my active income because I have the REP status. There's another little thing I'll layer in here on this piece of the stackable return is the cost segregation strategy. And we're implementing this on a few of our buildings this year because we need to offset the income that we're showing. Cost segregation is a beautiful ability to accelerate the depreciation. Similar to bonus depreciation, I'm not quite sure how they both wrap into each other, but it's sunsetting this year. 2023 was at 80%. They're going to continue to walk this down until... The politics come around and somebody changes this rule again. But last year, 2023, it was at 80%. So the cost seg study can be run. And typically, it's about 30% of the cost basis, which would be acquisition and the capital X that you made in the initial project. About 30% of that can be depreciated. And that's awesome. So take that 30% now, the 80% sunsetting rule, I take that down, back it down. But again, this is real money. I get this all the time too. So we target a minimum of $200 net cash flow, pull out my reserves, my net cash flow per door per month. And to, I mean, the look on somebody's face when they say, hey, that's not a lot of money. No, it's not. If you just look at it in that one instance and somebody was handing you $200, but you look at it on this stackable return scenario, we've got cash flow, principal paydown, depreciation, You stack all these things together and then remember what I said about the ROI as this investment ages, it just increases, increases. So there's a multiplying factor when you look at that. When you look at $200 a door, it doesn't feel like much. But when you add all of these stackable returns together is a platform for generational wealth, whether it's to pass on to your family, to pass on to a foundation, this is how you do it. Depreciation is cool because then There's something called depreciate exchange, depreciate exchange, depreciate exchange, depreciate Die. When you have depreciation, you know, you get this a lot. I don't know if you're aware of the recapture rule. If I depreciate something, I have to recapture that depreciation. So what I wrote off, I have to recapture it when I sell it uh, as capital gains. I can depreciate it. And then when I sell it, I can do a 1031 exchange. All I have to do is have a like kind investment. This is an investment property, boom, like-kind of investment. So I can exchange and I can roll that over into the next property without paying capital gains on that property. I just keep doing that. The beautiful thing and why it's generational wealth building is when you do pass away, when you do die and you pass that on to your family, a foundation, whatever, the cost basis, there's adjustment in the cost basis. So you don't have to recapture that. So, the depreciation, if you do it correctly, you don't have to recapture that depreciation along the way. So, that's cash flow, principal pay down, depreciation. And the fourth thing that we never consider in our evaluations is appreciation. You've probably heard this before in real estate, you make your money on the buy and you realize that profit on the sell. Well, when we are making our money on the buy, I'm not including appreciation at all. Appreciation of the property value or increase in rents. I don't include any of those. But if you look at a study, I looked at one of a book called How to Get Rich as a Doctor. And in that book, we looked at a studies for this appreciation thing. And if you look back 15 years, you can almost say that the rents have doubled in 15 years in majority of the markets, specifically our market. And along in that 15 years, the property values have increased by six figures. So if we're talking about, hey, that $200 a door doesn't feel like enough for me. I need bigger cookies than that. I think that's smaller thinking in the way you've got to see this. This is a long-term investments. And if we look at that appreciation piece of the stackable interest, it's pretty remarkable where your returns end up.
1: Now, you work primarily with physicians at Physician Wealth Systems. Can you kind of walk us through what does your company do? How do you help physicians get started in the real estate market?
0: Physician Wealth Systems is a platform that builds turnkey real estate investment businesses for physicians. What I mean by that is the years of turmoil and stress and learning and trial and error, trial by fire, all of this stuff through the years, we've implemented that and recorded that in our own business. So now we can take that and mold these new businesses based off of our experience that create the opportunity to be a business owner and not just a landlord. That means is you don't have to find the property, you don't have to renovate the property, you don't have to find the best lender, you don't have to find the property manager. And when it comes to asset management, we're building out software that allows us to put you right on the sheet that you need to be on, asking the questions that you need to ask in order to make sure that your investment, your business is performing. So it's 100% done for you service. It's unlike anything else. It's unlike just acquiring a turnkey real estate property, right? This is a turnkey real estate business. And now there's no such thing as passive income. You always have to put effort into what you're doing. And I always tell everybody, Tammy, that nobody's going to care more about your money than you do. So there's certain things that I want to push you on to make sure that you're asking the right questions. And you're not just saying, here, go do this. Take care of this for me. I want to make sure that you have the interest in running the business, but I also want to create a business for you that can be managed with an hour a month. In this hour a month, what we're going to do is put together 12 properties in 12 months to build the single family long-term residential portfolio for you. Some of our clients we will do short terms with, and if you're able currently to invest, I think it's 100 hours of material involvement in these properties, you can actually offset your active income with your passive losses in that property as well, too. So that's why we will put a short-term rental in the portfolio as well, too.
1: You're helping physicians find the property, finance it, renovate, property manage. You're kind of doing all of the back-end things to make it less involvement, but still with a strong income, and they own the asset. Is that correct?
0: One hundred percent. Clients maintain one hundred percent of the equity. control. You know, I often get asked, hey, what happens when we're done? What do we do? Well, the thing is, we've built these systems to allow you to be able to manage that effectively. We've given you the resources to manage it effectively. And sometimes physicians will have their own accountants or bookkeepers, somebody that we could pass on this. It's basically like a virtual assistant SOP. Hey, we need to do this every month. We need to do this every month. The bookkeepers need to do this every month. And you as a business owner, you need to ask for this every month. You need to see this every month. And that way, leaving you with about one hour a month to assess the portfolio.
1: Well, if someone wanted to learn more about you, Physician Wealth Systems, or even go to that real estate residency informational site that you have set up, where would they go, Brent?
0: So physicianwealthsystems.com, all spelled out, Physician Wealth Systems, is the place to go. And the cool thing about this is we don't get to work with everybody. You can imagine how much goes into building a portfolio of 12 properties in 12 months. It is tremendous. So we only work with a select few people, select few clients. But the cool thing is the byproduct of that is the systems, the process, the information, all of that we've cataloged and we want to give that away. We didn't make this up. Real estate has been here for Ever, people have been investing and owning real estate forever. We've collected it. We've put it in a simple format. That's what we want to give away because everybody has the opportunity to do this. Everybody also has the limiting beliefs that keeps them from doing this.
1: And again, you can also listen to Brett's podcast, Real Estate Mogul MD. And I'm sure you can find that on all the platforms where you find your podcasts. Brett, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate all of the information you gave us today.
0: Well, it's so exciting. One of my challenges that I have is trying to keep it simple. There's so much to it and it can be simple. If I could just leave it with asking the listeners to surround yourselves with the right people. Figure out what it is that you want to do, why you want to do it and find that person who's already doing it that you can trust and shadow them, ask them questions, get out there, get in meetups, get it done because the best time to buy real estate is 20 years ago and today. Today is going to be 20 years ago, 20 years from now, right? So now is the best time to do that. Get it done. Get after it. Don't wait.
1: Good advice. Well, thanks again, Brent. And thanks to all the listeners for listening today. I hope you'll tune in again next week for Grand Rounds.